Welcome into a Wednesday edition of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yao, joined by Maurice Patton, and we are pumped for a Wednesday edition because Heather Williams is going to join us here in just a few minutes to talk a little bit about NASCAR. That's always a good time. We've also got the Daily Titans report with Terry McCormick in today's show and plenty of college football to talk about before we get to the wild and wacky Wednesday, the weirdest and wildest news from across the world. All of that coming your way here very soon. First, Mo, how are you? I'm all right for Wednesday. Hump day. It is hump day, in fact. So looking forward to a fun trip to the top of the hill before we head down and that's where we're headed down we're headed up right now oh, oh i don't oh, know okay. i guess maybe we start heading downhill when terry comes on and there we go that's the back half of the week and we're good to go so i'm looking forward to it man it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great show we got got a lot of great uh, college football topics to get into today because you know, wednesday is the most difficult day for us to come up with content <laughs> Because Monday and Tuesday you can react, Thursday and Friday you can look ahead, but Wednesday's like, all right, what 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 happened? <laughs> but we've we've definitely found some some stuff that's been floating around in the the Twitterverse. That's true. It has. More like it. Some of it, some of it certainly has. So, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get into it all here in just a moment. But today, Mo, we have. A frog and an a Dumbo octopus. A Dumbo. A Dumbo octopus. octopus. You I know, know, I didn't realize the... octopi had ears, but okay. <laughs> I think this one does, and that's why it's called that. That is amazing. Who would have ever what, thought? What are you amazed by? I mean, I, I'm amazed at, uh, that I'm looking at an octopus with ears. With ears. Yeah. <laughs> that is phenomenal. I've never heard of such. I still like. Yesterday the, you were a shrew, by the way. A what? A shrew. A shrew. Couldn't tame you. Uh, I've probably been accused of being a shrew or shrewish <laughs> before. A <few> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's nothing new. <laughs> I'm trying to remember my all time favorite, though. Oh. Since you, oh, here we go. And a rock. Oh, yeah. That was your. <laughs> that's that's my spirit animal, I do believe. The, the well, it would rock. have to be a spirit animal since they're extinct, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, <laughs> since they are only with us in spirit. Yes. Oh, yeah. man. That, that, those are the anonymous animals that show up in our rundown uh, document that is shared because when you log into it from somewhere that else, they don't recognize, it gives you an anonymous animal and today those are the anonymous animals so am i you the dumbo octopus i don't know highlight something and i'll tell you oh, my fault. I, I can go by color here you are the frog so congratulations justin you're the uh, anonymous dumbo octopus <laughs> you know what they say if you're feeling froggy if you're feeling froggy you can jump there's there's no doubt all right well let's get you the actual results from yesterday and today's schedule on the rundown. Here's the rundown. Volleyball action from Tuesday night. Cheatham County swept Stewart County three to nothing. Also, Columbia Central swept Franklin County three to nothing. As Kalioka did to Santa Fe, 
Gallatin to Hendersonville, and Loretta to Hampshire. It was Lincoln County in five games that over Lawrence County through two. Middle Tennessee Christian with a three nothing win over Battleground Academy. Murfreesboro Central defeated Community three to nothing. It was Providence Christian three, Grace Christian out of Franklin two, and Stewart's Creek with a three one win over Smyrna. Girls soccer action beat you one nothing winner over Hillsboro Summit. Brentwood led you a one one draw. Clarksville Academy blanked Northeast five nil, and West Creek was a four three winner over Clarksville North West. Sorry, I, I almost I, I couldn't see it. I was like, <laughs> are we sure? Spring Hill and Columbia coverage on MainStreetMurray.com of their 2-2 draw that made the season a 3-3 draw, right? It was 1-1 uh, the first time? No, it was 2-2 two two the first time. Oh, so just same verse second as the first time. Yeah, if it sounds second familiar, it's because it is. It is. Okay, there you go. Cookville won nothing over Wilson Central. Dixon County, a 9-2 winner over Cheatham County. Lipscomb Academy, 6-2 winners over Innsworth. Harpeth falls to Sycamore, 3-1, while Hendersonville gets a win over Mount Juliet, 4-3. It's Nolensville, 3 Independence, 1. Antioch, a 4-3 win over John Overton. Laverne down Smyrna, 1-0. Stewart's Creek blanks 11-5-0. Liberty Creek edges Green Hill, 3-2. Station Camp, a 9-1 winner over Macon County. Martin Luther King was a 3-1 winner over Merrill Hyde. Also, Middle Tennessee Christian was an 8-1 winner over Marshall County. Murfreesboro Central defeated Rockvale three to nothing. It was Nashville Christian six, Good Pasture one, Portland with a nine nothing win over East Robertson. Franklin doubled up Ravenwood two to one. It was Blackman eight, Riverdale three, Oakland with a one nothing win over Spiegel. Harpeth Hall defeated Saint Cecilia three to two. The Cap with a four three win over Watertown. White House two, White House Heritage nothing. And STEM Academy won White's Creek nothing in Major League Baseball action. Big showdown out west as Seattle defeated the Houston Astros 6-2. Tarway. St. Louis closing out the season in style, I guess, defeating the Milwaukee Brewers 4-1. Cincinnati with an 11-7 win over the Guardians. And just when you thought they were dead. The Braves rallied back from a 6 nothing 6-inning deficit to knock off the visiting Chicago Cubs 7-6, striking out Dansby Swanson for the final out. Yeah, no irony there. WNBA semifinal series, the New York Liberty evened their Eastern Conference series against the Connecticut Sun with an 84-77 win. And the Las Vegas Aces took a 2-0 lead over the Dallas Wings with a 91-84 victory. Today's schedule, volleyball action at 4.30. Lawson is at Martin Luther King. Innsworth is at Siegel at 5.15. At 6, tonight's Pope Prep hosting Valor Collegiate and Smyrna at Rockville at 6.30. You can see Hillsboro at Siegel and Summit hosting Spring Hill. Girls soccer action at 5.30. Clarks was at Brentwood Academy and Franklin County is at Blackman at 7. Major League Baseball tonight. 5-10, Reds at Guardians. 6-10, Marlins at Mets. That's a, a doubleheader, game two of a doubleheader. I'm not sure who's winning game one, but we'll talk about why it's a doubleheader a little bit later. <laughs> Cubs at the Braves at 6-20. Cardinals at Brewers at 6-40. And at 8-40 tonight, the Astros continue at Seattle. NHL, preseason action at Bridgestone Arena. The Preds welcome Tampa Bay. And that, folks, is your rundown. Top story today is little hardware 
as the Tennessee Sports Writers Association handed out some yesterday afternoon, and we're here to bring it to you in case you have missed it. The weekly player of the week and or players of the week, and we'll start in football. One of my favorite schools is Tusculum. And their quarterback, Matthew Palasso, out of well, I think he played at Chucky Doke, which is another one of my favorite team names. Uh, a, a Chucky Doke uh, graduate, now Tusculum quarterback, gets the football player of the week. Uh, 282 offensive yards, four touchdowns in Tusculum's 35-21 win over Catawba. Threw for 226 yards completing 23 of 33 passes with a couple of touchdowns, rushed for 56 yards, and two more touchdowns. So um, not a bad day at the office for Mr. Palazzo, no relation to Enrico. <laughs> Probably De not. Yeah, defensively, Chattanooga linebacker Alex Mitchell, five tackles, 38-yard pick six, in the Mocs 47-24 win over number 17 Sanford in SOCON play. Um, Chattanooga held Sanford to two of five red zone trips and forced a plus three turnover margin in that win. So win the turnover battle. There you go. Congratulations to Mr. Palazzo and Mr. Mitchell, the Tennessee Sports Writers Association's Offensive and Defensive Players of the Week on the Gridiron. On the pitch, Swanee goalie Nathan Van Hove of Richmond, Kentucky, had a pair of shutouts and gave up one goal total in three games with 18 total saves. Nine saves and a 2 nothing win over Covenant, four in a 0-0 draw with Barry and one goal <clears throat> on six shots in a one nothing loss to number 18-ranked Barry. So, again, congratulations to Mr. Van Hove. Cumberland. They played Barry twice? Apparently. Number 18, Barry, and they drew and lost 1-0. That's, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. That's, that's, I think that's good. Um, Cumberland junior midfielder Brenna Swiger from Franklin, Tennessee. Five goals and an assist as the Phoenix opened Mid-South Conference play with a 13-0 victory over Freed Hardeman. Also had an assist in Cumberland's 2-1 win over Missouri Baptist. Ranked second in NAIA with 12 goals, third in assists with eight and second in points with 12. So congrats to Mr. Van Hove and Ms. Swiger. A Franklin grad. A, is she a Franklin grad? I mean, there's more than one school. Yes, but I went to look. That's Because fine. that's why I Because I was like, there's three schools of Franklin addresses. So, <laughs> so I'm going to. Yeah, you, could, you could take me. I mean, you, Independence gets a lot of Franklin, Tennessee natives. So because oh, they get a Westfield. Christian. Well, that too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she went to she went to Franklin. I went to her her Twitter page and found out. There we go. <laughs> and at the net, Tennessee State hitter Jayla Holcomb 
led the Lady Tigers to a pair of 3-2 victories over Tennessee Tech opening Ohio Valley Conference play. For the weekend, she recorded 42 kills and nine blocks, had 49 and a half total points in the two matches for the Lady Tigers, the defending Ohio Valley Conference Tournament champions. So congratulations to all of the Tennessee Sports Writers Association's weekly honorees this week. Absolutely. Uh, our top story is brought to you by our friends at Piggly Wiggly and Neely's Mill Shopping Center in Columbia. Make sure to go buy and see the fine folks there if you're looking for lunch. They've got your meat and two vegetables, meat and three vegetables, vegetable plate, cobblers, all the good stuff. Go see them. It's for a great price. You cannot beat it anywhere in town. Also, they've got fresh hand-cut meats and produce, and it's all cost plus 10 at the register. So, again, Piggly Wiggly, Neely's Mill Shopping Center. Go see them. Tell them the guys at Main Street Media told them to come your or told you to come their way. A pretty solid trade, kind of a blockbuster here early in, in, in well, I guess it's late in the offseason, but early uh, in the preseason I guess in the NBA. Yeah, it's a blockbuster just for the number of teams and players involved, I think. Damian Lillard is no longer a blazer. Well, we kind of knew that was coming, right? You kind of felt <laughs> like it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, Damian Lillard is now a buck. To go along with Giannis? That's scary. If you, yeah. <laughs> Memphis is like, are you kidding me right now? Wait, Memphis are they in the is, east? No, Milwaukee's in the they're east. In the east, that's right. Yeah, 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 Milwaukee. No, I mean, they're not in the east. They are in the, in the Eastern NBA Conference. Eastern Conference. They are in the Eastern the, Conference. Memphis is not in the West, but they yet are here the we Western are. Conference. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So, um, according to Shams Charania of The Athletic, Damian Lillard is going to the Bucks. Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, formerly of Phoenix, Tumani Kamara, are all going to the Blazers along with the Bucks' first round pick in 2029 and a swap of picks between those two. Going to the Suns are Grayson Allen, mm. Joseph Nurkic, sure, mm -hmm. Nasir Little, mm -hmm. and a name that may be familiar to some locals around here, Keon Johnson formerly of the Webb School and the University of Tennessee. Just finished his, well, is heading into his third year as a pro after playing one season at Tennessee. So, 11 years in Portland and seven all-star mm -hmm. games, seven all-NBA teams, led the franchise to the playoffs eight times, including that finals or the, the conference finals in 1819. First in team history in points and three-pointers, and second in assists, and officially requested a trade in July because, let's face it, they didn't help him. They didn't give him anything to get them over the hump. And everybody else got better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's tough. I mean, again, 11 years in Portland. 
he certainly had his opportunities to get out of there and chose to stay. But at some point, you know, it becomes about more than money, I think. They, I mean, how much can you make? You know. It's all, it, I mean, at some point it's got to be about a ring. And you feel like this is, this is Dame's best chance. Going into his I 12th mean, season, I mean, he's not going to have a whole lot more opportunities. And as you said, um, him and Giannis. Yeah. Good luck to the rest of the Eastern Conference. It, it's it certainly just got more difficult for the Celtics. There's no question there. The and, Celtics, the Nets, the yeah. Heat. Uh, so I, I just and, and and you know, they the the Bucks are now the uh, fourth fourth on the list of favorites behind. Denver, Boston, and Phoenix. Which Phoenix? Phoenix? Even without DeAndre DeAndre Ayton? Well, I mean, That's, don't they have Durant? They still got Durant. So, I mean, I guess that gives you some sort of cushion. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, one would think. Uh, so, yeah, their their roster right now. Is well, Grayson Allen, um, Kevin Durant, Saban Lee, <laughs> Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. How about that? Um, yeah, they don't have. They've got the. They've got one superstar. Outside of that, I mean, Bradley Beal is kind of, and Devin Booker. That's it. That's their big three. Devin Booker has big threes go hitting bad. Um, no, absolutely. It's reading from Terrania's article, the blockbuster deal has ripple effects that will be felt around the entire league, including other teams who had been seen as possible destinations for Lillard. The Miami Heat had long been believed to be the most likely destination for Lillard with the NBA superstar letting it be known that it was his preferred destination. In recent days, report had a report had emerged that the Toronto Raptors could wind up with Lillard. In, well, Mil they did. Here, here. in Milwaukee, Lillard will join forces with one of the top players in the league and Giannis and Tita Kumpo making the Bucks an instant title favorite, you think? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they're not the favorite at this in, point. In, in a fantastic grasp of the obvious right there. 33-year-old Lillard just put together an all-NBA third-team season last year. 32.2 um, points, 7.3 assists. Goodness gracious. The Bucks now have two of the six players that scored at least 30 points per game last season. Add in three-time All-Star Chris Middleton and Defensive Player of the Year runner-up Brooke Lopez, and the Bucks just put themselves in position to be the favorites in the East. No question there. Expert analysis. <laughs> You'll take it. All right, that's going to do it for our top story. When we come back, talking NASCAR with Heather Williams. So stick around on Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Back up for this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. 
Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yamo Patton here with you on this wild and wacky Wednesday. Glad to have you guys with us as we continue on our journey to the back half of the week. Mo, it is time for our weekly segment with Heather Williams, who joins us, and folks... It's time to go to Talladega. <laughs> it is. It's like going to another planet. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, both on the track and off the track. It, I know how how close Talladega is to Middle Tennessee. If you're a race fan and have not had the Talladega experience, I'm just going to tell you, put it on your bucket list right now. You will not regret it. It's amazing. It's a now, is world. that is that capital T, capital T, capital E, the Talladega experience? Is that the way that works? Oh, for sure. For sure. All letters capitalized screaming. I mean, the, the infield, 
the parties, the drive up there, the things that you will see. It is quintessential NASCAR. You will not regret it. It's funny. Um, I remember being on I-20 at some point between Birmingham and Atlanta. I guess I don't know why. But, I mean, Talladega is off of I-20, but you can't see it from there. But No, because it's really you, still probably about what, five, ten miles. Well, you, you can see the grandstands. You can see the grandstands. Really? But on race weekend, you know it's happening because the flags are up, the porta-potties are out, and the campers are there. When they start putting porta potties out, that's when you know you start stocking up on food because you're not leaving the house for a while. Yeah, because you're going. Because let me just tell you, they have. It's been it's been ten probably ten years since I've been there, but um, they have six lanes, three going each direction. Well, two lanes going each direction. Plus, they make the median a lane, but all six lanes are going into the track, going in to before the race, and all six lanes are going out. And I made the rookie mistake. Well, it wasn't my mistake, but there was a there was a credential issue one year when I went down there. Uh, the person normally the credentials was on maternity leave, and the new person didn't get my credentials. Anyway, I didn't get into the track. This was very early in my career, like '02 or something like that. I literally had to sit there at the track for like an hour to wait for them for the outflow of traffic to get out because you can only go one way until the race starts. It's crazy. It's it absolutely is nuts and and it's 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 insane when you I mean I went to school you know fifteen miles away I went to Jacksonville State we're right we're right down the road but you went to and, Jacksonville State no yeah I'm just playing <laughs> <laughs> you, you never would have known that would you yeah no, but but it's it is a different world I, you know my. My first college girlfriend was from Talladega, and she told me, she was like, listen, we don't leave. We don't go near I-20 at all. Between this date and this date, you just don't do it. Trust me. And so, you know, we, we stocked up and stayed in for and the weekend because huh? you don't you just don't leave and that's and then, and that's what's what's crazy is the driving outside the track is just as crazy as the driving on the track yeah and the people outside the track are just as crazy as the people inside the crazy track maybe a little bit more i mean just like going down the boulevard there inside the track it's it's wild i mean even i i've not been brave enough to do it at night but even in the daytime it's a party it's it's crazy it's an experience it's fun i mean talladega is just just fun it's i mean these are really this is really the roots of nascar i mean i know north carolina and the movie chiners but these are these are hardcore race fans these are these are not and there's nothing wrong with new race fans i probably relatively speaking only 20 years into this would probably be considered sort of a new race fan these these are people that grew up with it their their mamas grew up with it their grandfathers grew up with it i mean this is this is racing country uh and it's it's I I miss that I haven't been there in a while because I always enjoy just the experience of Talladega. Now I don't know if they'll next door is the dirt track. I don't know if they'll if, if he'll be running, but you you there's a very high likelihood that you'll see the F97 Long Lewis Ford of Red Farmer on the dirt track this weekend because he rarely misses a Talladega At 90, weekend. What is he At ninety. Now? Ninety. Yeah. So <laughs> ninety years old, man, just out here running them and winning. That's what's crazy. Beat them, yeah. 
Oh, gosh. So, anyway, we're looking forward to, to Talladega, of course. We need to look back first because, wow, what a race it was this past weekend. Playoff drivers all up front. And that's what you like to see this time of year. For sure, because they are the best. The best should be up front. And it certainly makes it more dramatic where when you're going into a place like Talladega, which is such a wild card, and everybody still has a chance to get in. Like, nobody is eliminated. Nobody's 40 points back. Nobody's – well, I guess Denny is pretty safe because he's more than the race up. But everybody else – and William Byron's locked in – but everybody else has, like, a chance to either fall out or jump in. So uh, it's perfect. I mean, it was a good race. It was not quite as crazy or entertaining as the last time we were in Talladega, but that's probably – I mean, in Texas – uh, but that's probably good because last time was nuts. No, uh, no. But there was plenty of drama, pr- plenty of lead changes. There were different pitch strategies. So you had this group moving up to the front and running up front for a while. Then you had this group pitting. And so you didn't really know how with cautions and everything that the pitch strategies were going were gonna to play out. But at the end of the day, the strongest and fastest cars ended up at the front. I mean, the playoff drivers ended up at the front. And that's really how it should be. Uh, and it makes it fun. Unfortunately, uh, Bubba Wallace finished third, which sounds great, except that he probably should have won. Uh, unfortunately, a, a an issue on a restart really, you know, really did him in. But you know, outside of outside of finishing third, that put him just outside the top eight moving him up three spots in the playoff standing. So that, that was a huge, huge bump for him, but he sure would like to have that one back. Probably. But I mean, I think that if you put any driver in the garage area in the position that he had to, to do restart after restart after restart. That's true. Up front, you know, people are going to figure out what you're doing and they're probably going to beat you. I mean, he was putting up a tough situation. He clearly had the strongest car all day. I mean, smoked him on the pole, got to the pole, ran up in the top 10, really the top five all day long, and had a chance to win. But that's just a tough situation with all those cautions to have to make those restarts over and over again. But what he didn't do that I think maybe Bubba in the past would have done was even though he didn't have the greatest restart, he didn't let it ruin his day. He still finished third. He still got a good finish out of the day. He's still in a great position going to what is arguably his best track in Talladega or definitely one of them. So I think that that team, as long as they don't end up in a mess this week at Talladega, I think they're in an outstanding position. They need to be in a really good position going to Charlotte because while he's improved on the road courses, the road courses are not his strength. But I think as long as he he shows up and runs well at at Talladega, puts himself in a position to win, I think that Bubba's in a pretty good spot right now. And regardless of what happens, I think that he's shown that he's ready to take the next step. I mean, very rarely, you know, Ross Chastain and, and the amazing run that they were on notwithstanding, guys don't usually make incredibly deep runs into the playoffs their first year. I mean, William Byron has never made it out of the second round of the playoffs, and you would have to think he's the, the favorite this year, the way he's running. So, I mean, it takes time, it takes steps, but I think he's proven that he's not just in there by default, that that team is really ready to be a playoff team and take the next steps. What happened to the five when he hit the wall? 
I mean, I mean, yeah, I know he got loose, but like, was there was there anything that came out after that explained what happened? No, I think it was just Arrow. I mean, I think he, you know, he 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 said that the cars hadn't reacted to that, reacted that way all day to making that move and 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 you know trying to to uh, to to get a draft off a side draft off the car, but. You know, I don't know that he made that in exactly that position, maybe exactly, you know, with that, that you know, different makes of cars, you have different arrows and that kind of stuff. So I, I, I haven't seen where there was an issue or a problem. I just think that if the car reacted differently based on whatever factors to diving into the wall bear side by side with Bubba, and he wasn't prepared for that reaction, and so he wasn't prepared to correct it and so he just whipped around faster than he could react i don't i don't think it was anything more than that i haven't seen anything where there's been like um a uh, mechanical issue or anything that's been discovered on that car gotcha before we get into talking about what's going to happen this weekend one big story today kyle bush has sold his truck series operations to spire yeah. And that that seems like big news because it is wasn't this wasn't his plan to like go back to the trucks when his kid got old enough or something so it's kind of confusing. I mean, he's been talking about, you know, wanting to run trucks with this kid, but I don't necessarily he ever said that he wanted it to be a KBM truck. Um, you know, truck teams are expensive and yeah, they are. you know, and running those operations are expensive, you know, when they made the 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 switch from Toyota to Chevy, the support and the money that Chevy puts into it is different than what Toyota did. And I just think that there are a lot of factors. I haven't talked to Kyle, so I don't know exactly what the factors are, but also, you know, running that team and trying to follow, you know, his dream of winning more championships, also being more involved in Brexton as he's racing while still trying to run that team. I mean, that gets to be a lot. Um, and I think the third factor is is that there's a lot of money involved in this deal. Um, I think what you're going to see because of the um, the equity firm that that Spire has paired up with, it's the Andretti Group. Um, there's a lot of money involved in that. I think you're going to see Spire really start to be a major player in all the series. I mean, they they bought a charter. They're they're renting a, one of the top notch drivers from track house to run that car next year in Zane Smith. Uh, he I was just about to mention that. I, you, yeah. you killed my tra my transition. Well, it's, all, I mean, it's all good. But, I mean, they're really trying to um, to make a bid to be up there in that tier. You know, you've got the, the, the traditional uh, powerhouses of, of Gibbs and, and Hendrick and I guess to a lesser extent Stuart Haas and Penske and, and the Fords because they're struggling a little bit this year. But traditionally they're up there. Then you've got kind of the new up-and-comers like uh, 2311 and, and Trackhouse, and I think Spire really wants to be in that tier. I think they really want to compete. You know, obviously they had to have made a pretty good play with Corey LaJoy to get him to stay, because I think Corey had some opportunities outside of Spire based on what he's done. And But I think that they really want to be a player in this sport, and they they found the backing, they found the money. Well, I don't think people understand how good the crew chiefs are and how good the technical support is already inside of Spire from both the cup team and the truck team. So I think you're going to see them really explode next year and be a big time player across all, all well, both series. Cause they don't, I don't think they really run Xfinity. They're hooked up a little bit with uh, 
with Hendrick Motorsports for support, but I think you will see them explode next year. Yeah, and and you mentioned Zane, and he is part of now what is a four-driver team for Trackhouse with Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez and SVG uh, signing a semi contract with with Trackhouse. Yeah, yeah, and and so, but but this is huge. I mean, Trackhouse very quickly making waves in this sport well i mean justin justin marks is a really good driver he's a super smart businessman i mean and i think that's i think you see that those are the kind of people that that succeed i mean richard childers was a good driver he was a better businessman and he built a powerhouse and i mean i think i love what they're doing at track house specifically with justin and ty and that group because they are really kind of breaking the norms. They're shaking uh-huh. things up. They're not, they want to be the next, next Hendrick Motorsports or Joe Gibbs Racing, but they don't want to do it the way Hendrick and, and Gibbs did it. And it would be really easy for them to just follow this blueprint, do this and do that. But they've really forged their own path and it's been incredibly successful. I, I know a lot of people will probably look at this year and go, well, Ross doesn't have any great year, and Suarez missed the playoffs. How can you say it's successful? But people still have to understand, oh. this, team didn't, this team didn't exist two years yeah. ago. Yeah, <laughs> to have a guy in the playoffs and another one missed it by one spot, I mean, that's right. pretty dead gum good. Growth, growth, growth is not linear. Like, it doesn't just yeah. go like this. It goes like this. And Typically. They are, well, I mean, almost always. Uh, even my even my Chiefs have taken a few steps back with Patrick Mahomes. It hasn't been a Super Bowl championship every year um, because everybody else is just too good for you to, to do that. Um, but that's an incredibly successful organization, and they just keep changing the game. And that's what I love about what they're doing there is that Justin and Ty and, and Pitbull and and Ross and Daniel and SVG, they just keep changing the game. And that's what makes it fun. Well, that's why we are track house fanatics here at Main Street Sports today. <laughs> well, it is Talladega week. And obviously you mentioned how good Bubba is at this track. Certainly expect the 23 to be near the front. And, but, but again, as we say every single time, it's a crap shoot. It's a, it's a super speedway. Anybody has a chance. You just got to be uh, on all four wheels running when the white flag comes out. Well, and what I love about this, what's fascinating is that all the guys that are kind of on the outside looking in the playoffs are guys that have had a lot of success at Talladega. Uh, Ryan Blaney has won at Talladega. Uh, well, Brad's now in, in the playoffs based on last week, but Brad Kozlowski is amazing at Talladega. Uh, Bubba is good at Talladega. You just look, and, and, and the guys that, that really need a big performance are all good at Talladega. So it, that, that makes it even more fun because um, any of those guys can win this week. And then guys just right on the outside that didn't make the playoffs, Michael, or make this round of the playoffs. Michael McDowell is really good at Talladega. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase Elliott's really good at Talladega. So... It, it's going to make it a fascinating race just because stage points and and finishing and all that stuff is going to be so important. There's going to be a fine line of how much risk you take and is it is it worth the possible reward. 
Should be an exciting race as always at Talladega. So, Heather, as always, we appreciate it. Looking forward to this weekend. Looking forward to talking next week. And we've got two more races before the end of this round of the playoffs. So, got to get a win now. Might as well do it this weekend. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, put it away. No stress going into the Robo would be most drivers' preference, I think. <laughs> no question. No question. We'll talk to you next week. We appreciate it. All right. See you guys. All right, we're going to take a break. Baseball chatter. When we come back, I say that because we've got more than just Braves on the other side. So stick around. Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bond & Joints. Back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's, it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtvj.net. Seventh, two 2002, in his first full season as a closer, John Smoltz set a National League record when he worked one and a third shutout innings to preserve the Braves' 3-1 win over the host Mets in the opening game of a doubleheader sweep. It was Smoltz's 54th save of the year, breaking the previous NL record of 53 set by the Cubs' Randy Myers in 1993 and matched by the Padres' Trevor Hoffman in 1998. That was this day in Braves' history. Yeah, he would have just tied the record if 
Randy hadn't blown that save against the Giants and then got the win later when I was there at Wrigley Field. <laughs> Today would have just tied the record. Tomorrow this would have been this day in Braves history. Oh, but instead, yeah. here we are. Yeah. Uh, congrats to Smoltzy. Hey, is there a – I hear there's a, a, a Hall of Famer booth tonight on the broadcast. It's supposed to be a surprise, but they put it up in the on the thing, on the, the little video board on the at the stadium. Oh wow! It said, you know, Hall of Fame booth, and had had the guys with, on Bally. I don't know oh, if no. it was if, if it was an accident; they didn't mean to put it up. I, yeah. Or if it well, was I a, mean, if it's a surprise, and I don't, I don't know. But. Not a surprise anymore? I guess. Well, I, I, I'm assuming it was supposed to be a surprise because yeah. they they haven't said anything about it. I hadn't heard anything about it. Yeah. So I don't know if if the if the video board ops just accidentally hit an old. Yeah, overlay or something or, like that. Or, or jump the gun. <laughs> or they jump the gun. One of the two. We don't know. But tune in tonight to find out. Well, I'd have been tuning in anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, man. There for a while, I was glad I wasn't tuning in last night. And then I <laughs> you were... had to make plans to watch the replay. So <laughs> Yeah, last night was, was very interesting. And as, as someone pointed out on Twitter, you know, it it's very simple. Uh Obviously, Sean Murphy's fly ball proves why putting the ball in play is infinitely more valuable than striking out. If I mean, if 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 you didn't recognize that before, then hopefully you do now. Yeah, yeah. because you put it what? in play, and you never know what happens. And you, as he said, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Absolutely, and you know, obviously, you you feel for Suzuki because that's just a play that – I don't know what happened. He clearly lost it in the light or something. Any number of things. I mean, un, it's really unfortunate, though. You do hate that for that guy. Even as I, – I seriously do hate that for him. Seriously. I, I mean, it's and, – and on top of that, adding insult to injury, he strikes out in the, in the top half of the ninth inning. He's one of the two people that struck. He, was, he wasn't the only one that struck no, out at the top of the night. He wasn't, but I mean, he legitimately cried after the game. This is a guy. I mean, he 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 genu he genuinely felt bad for his team. Now that being said, a lot of Cubs fans acting like that's the end of the season for them. Arizona, I think I saw last night, holds the tiebreaker against the Cubs in the wild. But they're only up a game. No, I don't know who Arizona's playing. Or they're playing the White Sox, but I mean, so maybe that's the Cubs aren't expecting any help from the South Side. <laughs> no, no, they're not. Clearly. So, so I mean, yeah, that's that. They're acting like it's the end of the end of the road. But right now, are there not three playoff teams? Well, right cards? right now, the Diamondbacks are a game ahead of the Cubs, and the Marlins are a half game back. And yeah. Cincinnati is a game and a half back with five to play. There's five games to play. I mean, now I understand you're playing Atlanta and you just pitched your ace and lost. But, <laughs> I mean, the Braves have kind of been mailing it in for a while. And and I'm not saying that they, I, I, I certainly feel like the Braves could could lose the next two. Now, I don't know who the Cubs play. After that? After that. I mean, that's obviously – a, well, the Cubs are throwing Jamison Talion, I guess is how you pronounce that, tonight against um, Darius Burst. 
in the final series. Well, that'll be interesting because, you know, do the Brewers mail it in for the final three games or do they go out and, and play hard against the team that's playing? To try to avoid the Cubs in the playoffs? Because that would probably be the matchup. Well, even if it wasn't the matchup, they could potentially see them, and yeah. you don't want to see them. But, yeah, they. I mean, yeah, it would be. The three and six would play. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to go right back into another series with them. Hmm. So maybe that's what Cubs fans are fretting about. Also, the Cubs have Marcus Stroman going on Thursday, Braves starter TBA, Darius Vines tonight again. Yeah, you'll get you'll you'll get whatever you get from the Braves at this point. <laughs> Man. Um just need to win one though or the Dodgers to lose. And you're the number one seed in the in the in Here's the, the thing National though, League. right now I mean, I want home field all the way through the postseason, but my bigger concern is past Strider. Who the heck's going to be healthy enough to take the bump? I mean, Freed's got the blister on again, off again thing. You're talking sure. about in in the over the next five games? In well, no. I mean, after we get through these five games, I'm, well, there's there, you got you got a half a week off, if not a week. Actually, it is a week because your next game is not till Monday. So yeah, you get the full week off. And so Max is going to be back. This the, he pitched the, fine with the blister the last time. The, the entire pitching situation has me concerned. Uh, well, sure. But, I mean, again. Because, I mean, if Bryce Elder. So long as, uh, again, so long as Max can pitch twice in the series with his blister, we're fine. Game three is probably going to be, because of the way the schedule sets up, you could empty the bullpen in game three. Because there's an off day the next day. And so you've got plenty. The way it sets up, you could empty the bullpen. You go you go hand, you go to get through, if it's the Phillies, you go hand to get through the lefties at the top of the lineup. Then you go to Elder, who can get you the bottom half of the lineup that gets you through three. Then you go, you know, you, you go to Chavez, who can get you two more innings, maybe three. And then you're into the seventh, eighth, ninth, and hope you're winning. Well, and if not, win the first two games, and that one you can afford to lose. Well, <laughs> from, from that's from, the way I look at it, I guess. From, from your mouth to Brian Snitker's ears, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, but man, as concerned as I am about the pitching situation right now. What the Braves did last night is what the Braves do. They scored three in the sixth, down six nothing. They scored three in the sixth, two in the seventh, two in the eighth, and got another win in their last at bat. I mean, and let I believe it was Dallas Britt who mentioned last night that you know this this team kind of felt like it had melded in for since it clinched and mm-hmm. they were just trying to get to the playoffs and and someone said well that's historically not been very good because once the Braves turn it off they've not been able to turn it back on well 
And <laughs> and I think and that happened literally right before the offense started hitting. hitting. So I, I'm curious and, and hopeful that that's kind of the way that, and that's what we're seeing. Now, obviously, the pitching staff needs to do the same. But And that's why I would like to see the national series be treated like a playoff series mentally. I think you kind of have to because you're going to have that time off. I mean, because last year what we saw was the Mets series was, holy crap, you know, it's peak baseball. you got to win to be in, that sort of thing. And you do. They won and lost the next two and barely won the last one. But I think the fact that they clinched so early kind of helps with some of that. Yeah, the, the, there's, because the, that the hangover last, has that been last longer. of the season last year, we've already kind of gone through that. The hangover has been longer. You have an opportunity to get over the hangover and back to normal. So I think that's kind of what we're going to see. And but But, again, I would love to see the Braves pitching staff turn it on, kind of like the offense did last night. But the offense certainly showed up, hit their 300th home run and 301st. The 301st. The 300th home run by Kevin Goat Kevin Pillar. Just, just like we all expect. Of course. I mean, you know, and that's. I mean, what, if we were going to, if you were going to have a um, fight for, you know, who who's going to hit 300, everybody would have been fighting for Kevin Pillar. You're. Your boy Brave Stats posted a reposted the the graphic that the Braves on Bally posted, mm-hmm. or or the no I'm sorry that the Braves Twitter account posted. And it has the nine players who hit the most home runs, but it does not have the player who hit the 300 in the graphic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just kind of odd because <laughs> you know they had that already ready. Like, because again, they didn't expect Kevin Pillar to hit the 300th home run. Sure. No one did. Yeah. So, it's just kind of funny. But I but, mean, the only thing that would have been funnier would have been if it had been, say, Forrest Wall or 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 Lucas uh, Lucas Williams, I guess. Yeah, Somebody like that. I mean, something something weird. So it uh, was it was just funny to to see that that he was not on the graphic. Well, surprise, <laughs> surprise, he's not on the graphic. Uh, but yeah, Braves tonight. You mentioned they'll throw Darius Vines. That was announced last night mm-hmm. after the game. We have a lineup. Do if we? you want to think we do, maybe that's yesterday's lineup. No, that's today's lineup. Okay. Acuna, Albies, Riley, Olsen. Shocking. Ozuna, Harris, Sean Murphy again, Rosario, and Arcia. It's interesting that they've moved Harris out of the nine hole into six with Arcia to nine. I'm curious the the thought process behind that. It's been it's been one way kind of all year, and here's where we're at. I think Arcia has not been as productive here over the last month, probably to yeah. me. But you, you kind of like that double leadoff thing that you had going with Harris right. at nine. And, and well, I'm curious if that's what the, the thought process is, is that Olsen and Ozuna kind of clear the bases. Harris gets you, you know, kind of leads you off again at the sixth six. spot. And, you know, you've got Murphy, who has a little power coming up behind him, and then Arcia, and then, you know, kind of gets you to 
another guy who has some contact mm -hmm. instead of clearing the bases for for Ronnie. Ronnie kind of clears the bases for that group. So I don't know. It's it, it's an interesting thought process. I probably would go Her uh, Murphy then Harris, but or Rosario and 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 Harris. I don't know seven. that you necessarily want Murphy in front of Harris just for speed on the bases. Well, so. may, yeah. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is is to get to the t to turn the lineup over. The six spot doesn't seem like the best spot. It seems like seven or eight. If it's not going to be nine, seven seems more appropriate. But I'm. I'm no expert. I really am. I'm not. So I'm just a guy who talks sometimes about it. Um, but yeah, before we get out of here, the Two Mets, days. the Mets and Marlins are playing a doubleheader. And why? Well, why are they playing a doubleheader? Hey, I'm, go ahead. Tell us why they're playing a doubleheader. <laughs> because when they were on their last road trip, it rained four days in a row and the grounds crew forgot to put the tarp out on Saturday. <laughs> so they did. it rained on the field for four consecutive days and it was not ready to play yesterday. <laughs> what kind of drainage system do they have? But I guess four, four days. days uh... And nobody thought during the middle of this to go put the tarp out? Well, no, because they I thought it was already out. I think what they thought was at this, at this point, well, I mean, what's another day? <laughs> Ain't no sense in tarping it now. <laughs> I guess. Oh, it was so wild. But, yeah, so they forgot to tarp the field, had to postpone it, and Marlins were, like, the Marlins were angry. Well, They're like, we're in the middle of a freaking playoff race here. We're in a wild card chase, and you're doing this crap. I, I guess Mitt's going to Mitt applies to the Browns <laughs> crew as well, but – um. Also, before we do get out of here, seriously, we do want to acknowledge the passing soon after our show yesterday, as so often happens, of Baltimore Orioles Hall of Fame third baseman Brooks Robinson. Mo, we mentioned it yesterday. I don't think there's any question at this point that the Orioles are going to the World Series, oh. aren't they? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't think there's any question at this point. It, it's They are a team of destiny, and I'm not sure I want to see them. I didn't want to see them from the moment we saw them <laughs> last year, uh, earlier this year, yeah. in Atlanta. And so I, I got no desire to see those guys. Uh, yeah, but I got a feeling that if we, if we, if we, if we get make there, the fall classic, they're going to be there. Yeah. So it's just just feels like one of those years. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, your daily Titans update with Terry McCormick right here on Main Street Sports Today. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. 
The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. Welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Terry McCormick now with your Daily Titans update, powered by Zen Sports. Terry, what's up? Guys, it is your Daily Titans update, uh, powered by Zen Sports, changing the bonus game for the better. But before I go into the Titans, you guys were talking about how the Braves, I guess, had a guy and they hit their 300th homer as a team last night, right? Uh, Because Mo, and I know you know this, when we were growing up as baseball fans, the 61 Yankees were the standard, you know, in terms of team home runs. Like, 240 and they held that uh record for like 35 years and i looked it up while you guys were discussing it that now ranks 34th wow how much the game has changed wow (laughs) that's pretty incredible that is incredible yeah i wouldn't have thought about that back to the titans Mm -hmm. we got an injury report Keaton Skaronsky made an appearance in the locker room today. Now, that doesn't mean he's ready to play, guys, because he said that uh, he had his appendix taken out, and it actually ruptured, he said. And But he was at the hospital. They caught it in time, so it was not an overly serious matter. But he has lost some weight, lost his appetite for a while. Uh, he looked to be several pounds lighter. He wouldn't say how much he lost. But uh, it may be another week or two before this guy is ready to step back into the lineup. And I think we can all agree that they really do need him in the worst way. Not that Dylan Radins has played terrible, but Peter Skaronsky as that first-round pick uh, does seem to make this line another level better. Yeah, anybody else that we can expect? There are a couple of other guys who were uh, not present today. The injury report has not yet come out. Or if it has, it's come out in the last minute (laughs) since we've been on the air. But but a couple of guys that were not at practice today were Tier Tart, Elijah Molden, also Luke Gifford, special teams linebacker, and Anthony Kendall, special teams cornerback. So some interesting names missing there uh, from the Titans' uh, practice. Uh, Tart has been battling uh, a groin issue and a knee issue, so he's probably just getting a day off to rest. I would expect him to be able to go once game time rolls around on Sunday. Uh, this team made a flurry of moves yesterday uh, after we did our segment. They elevated uh, Justin Murray from the practice squad to the active roster to help out on the offensive line. They also brought in Shy Smith, former South Carolina and Carolina Panthers receiver, to the practice squad to uh, perhaps uh, give them a little something different uh, at that uh, wide receiver position. He's more of a, a speedster, uh, a He's 5'10", can return punts, that sort of thing. And then they brought back an old friend, Dane Cruikshank, who was here for four years, a 2018 draft pick, brought back to the practice squad. Dane Cruikshank's a guy that I got to believe that with Mike Brown and Julius Chestnut, two special teams guys on injured reserve, 
I got to think that he's got a chance to play this week as a practice squad elevation and maybe even uh, down the line get promoted back to the 53-man roster because he was a pretty good special teams player and also pretty good at covering tight ends when he was here the first time. Well, we'll be looking forward to it this weekend, maybe, or maybe we won't. I don't know. Tell us about Zen Sports. All righty. Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee. Revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. With Zen Sports, your rewards are cash rewards. You bet with real money, and now you're rewarded with it, too. Earn a whopping 5% cash back welcome bonus for your first 15 days when you sign up with code MAINSTREET, M-A-I-N-S-T. Keep betting and keep earning every month after that. Up to 3% cash back rewards on your betting volume. Best of all, earn cash commission on your report. That's with Zen Sports Referral Rewards Program. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms, conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. Y'all, I'm serious right now. They have a dragon here. I saw it. What? But no, they don't. There's no such thing as dragons. I swear, I saw it. It had huge claws. Get out of here. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome, Teresa Walker. Former University of Tennessee, former Team USA Olympian, XI Young Award winner, Ari Dickey. Ari, did I miss anything? Man, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, I need to listen to that before I go to bed every night. That was nice. Has five sports Emmys. That's not bad for the other guy in Wham. Ryan McGee. <laughs> other guy in Wham married the best looking girl Bananarama. So, other guy in Wham had pretty good life. From preps to pros, we're taking on the sports topics you care about. Tune in across Main Street Media social platforms platforms at 2 p.m. or on demand on your podcast distribution platform of choice. Welcome back in Main Street Sports today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao alongside Mo Patton and Mo, let's talk a little bit about college football. All right. First, though, did you get the DM? Have you, have you seen it? I did get the DM. I did not get to devote a lot of but, but thought you, but, to it, but I have seen it, and I see where it would pique your curiosity. Alabama Athletics has announced a new licensing program for former players as a part of an uh, not really NIL necessarily – but it's because I guess they're no longer players. It is NIL because they're profiting from their name, image, and likeness. But it's a licensing opportunity. So if you want a Derrick Henry number two Alabama jersey, you can get one now. 
And will Derrick Henry get a part of that, theoretically? Uh, it's, you know, I, it's a good question. I'm, I've tried to read this and don't really know. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't say. Well, but the, the quote from UA Athletics regarding this group licensing initiative. We are excited to offer the opportunity for all of our former players across all sports to co-brand their NIL with the Alabama brand for the rest of their lives. So I guess maybe they can sell them. So like Haley McClinney, she does a camp and wants to sell an Alabama softball jersey with McClinney and the number eight on the back. I guess she could do that. And it would be legal. Perhaps... <clears throat> You know, you maybe you pay a fee to a licensing fee, a licensing so to fee speak. to them up front. It's just one fee. And then maybe it's, you know, a hundred bucks or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And then you can sell as many T-shirts as you want legally and right. they won't sue you. Something nice. That's an interesting way of doing it. Now, the reason that it piques my interest mm -hmm. is because <laughs> the person who they have chosen to. For, for this Group Licensure Initiative entitled Alabama Always. Always. Alabama. <laughs> Always. Always. You know, sort of like VFL, but clearly not. Alabama Always. Alabama Always is being the first official member touted. The first official member of Alabama always. Former Tennessee football coach, Bill Battle. <laughs> oh, yeah. The irony don't stop. I just, mm, mm. Also, Dante Hightower is a member of the group, which, love, love the guy. Great. Great job. Congrats to him. Not No hate on him because he no. never, you know, coached at Tennessee <laughs> or, uh, or, or played or anything else. Right, so right. it just, uh, it, it, when I saw the name of this thing and then saw Bill Battle's face, I was like, you got to be kidding me right now. Now, now <laughs> I, in, I get in, it. In his defense, Bill Battle is a member of the Alabama Business Hall of Fame sure. in his capacity as chairman of the board of the Collegiate Licensing Company and serves as a special assistant to the president of the University of Alabama. Now, played at Alabama for three years as a starter at offensive end. Was the AD there? So uh, look, I, I, I'm not, I'm not really all that mad at Bill Battle. I think it's you know, just, it's just, it's just a look. It's a the optics are not great. It's just another twist. <sighs> and so he joined the University of Tennessee as head coach at the age of 28. After seven years as coach at Tennessee, he, Where he went to five bowls when going to a bowl meant something. Right. Yeah. After seven years, he I didn't realize when he left Tennessee, he never coached again, but apparently. Didn't um, realize that either. He left to launch and lead a number of companies that have helped universities license logos, slogans, and other intellectual property. 
One of those companies, oh, Circle smart. S Industries, grew from two companies earning $12 million in annual sales to 10 companies earning $60 million annually under Battle's leadership. Yeah, I feel like he made the right move. Nah, I don't think he was going to make that kind of money in football coaching at that time. No, not in the 70s, 80s, or really even the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, good, yeah, good call, Bill. I, I, I mean, not mad at you for leaving – Tennessee to go do that. Yep, secure the bag, baby. But but yeah, it just it's just like man, are you always because he wasn't always. And if he was, we got some we got something else we need to talk about. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Might explain some things. Might, might explain the if, 70s if a little bit. Alabama, he, you were always good yeah. as you was in the 70s. Still couldn't. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> always. Again, always, <laughs> including, always includes he, yeah, the seven-year period. When, yeah. <laughs> just, it just does. He, even when. That's still. how always works. There you go. There you go. Some, oh. somebody, <laughs> somebody mentioned last night that Dansby struck out intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> That's what exactly. You know, always Atlanta, right? Isn't that what he said? Oh, so, gosh. He was 0 for 4 last night. Oh, oh, for four. Did he? he didn't didn't strike out four times though. No. Least there's there's that. He did score once. Struck out once. He did score once. Yeah. Anyway. But back to college. Back football. to college football. Texas A&M got some bad news today. Connor Wegman is out for the year Ooh. with a foot injury, which means Max Johnson will be starting for the Aggies. Yeah, at you least know what else? This week. Somebody else probably went up the depth chart. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Marcel Reed probably a little closer to starting than, than he was uh, at any point this year. Or than our guy at SEC Media Days anticipated. Yeah, I mean, obviously they expected Connor Wegman to be the guy all year long. He's clearly not going to be at this point. Uh, I'm pretty sure that it's not Connor uh, Wegman always. Brent Zwerneman was the guy who who had this first, so we'll give him the credit on that. Yeah, tough, tough day. You know, he went down late in the first half against Auburn, didn't come back, clearly, uh, and will not now be back as he is going down for the year. You know, as backups go, you could do a lot worse than Max Johnson. Dude's got a boatload of experience under his belt. Well, it, there's that. I, I, think, I think you're exactly right. I think that, you know, if, you, if you've got to go to a backup, Max Johnson certainly gives you a better chance to win in the SEC than a lot of folks. Lot of folks. Um, and so hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll see Johnson get his get his opportunity, and and maybe he'll take advantage of it. That's just, you know that that's it's kind of where we're at. So I'm interested to see how how this does affect affect their roster though. I don't have their depth chart available to me mm-hmm. necessarily, but I, I, I'm curious if, you know, if something happens to Max Johnson, then what? Hmm. So, And maybe there is something that I'm not that I'm wishing that there will be. I'm saying that Texas A&M has struggled keeping their quarterbacks upright recently. Recently. So. Going back to, um, Zach Calzada and how he got on the field and how he came off the field. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, 
they've really not had they, they've not had a great experience with with uh, with quarterbacks to this point, and I, I just don't have their their depth chart. So, and I'm as much as I look for it, I'm just going to find last year's every time probably. So, not really worth looking at. Uh, number three is in fact Marcel Reed. I did find it. Number three, with or without Connor Wakeman. With, with Wakeman. So he would now be number two. Would seem. <laughs> Unless Blake Boast or Bost has Move past moved him. past him at some point. So hmm. there you go. Marcel Reed mm -hmm. very well may On be deck. one play away from getting his or making his Aggie debut. Well, he would be making his a bit quicker than another SEC quarterback with period highs that we saw last year. Music City Bowl. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, I thought you meant someone else who was going no, no, no. into this year. Yeah, it would be a little quicker than a bowl game if, if something were to happen. I, I, would hate to, I would hate to see him that way. I'd like for him to win the job. Uh, but sure. but I'm afraid that if he gets on the field, he may never come off, <laughs> and that may be that may be exactly what Texas A&M uh, needs in the mm -hmm. event that that happens. Yep. So, as as I have scrolled through Twitter, uh, Mo the. The question has come up a couple of times about whether or not South Carolina is a rival for Tennessee. And as a Tennessee fan, unapologetic, I'll tell you, don't care to lose all journalistic credibility. Don't have don't don't care. I'm a Tennessee fan. Always have been. I, you know, it just is what it is. Um, they're not top five. <laughs> I mean, they're just not. No, you know, well, no. I mean, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, in any order. In any and order. Kentucky, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. Because you think about Vanderbilt and every other sport. I don't but, care. Are you talking about every sport? Or I'm talking about talking in, in general. They're just not a rival. And and it's I want to beat Vanderbilt more than I want to beat South Carolina. Well, here's the thing: if you're in South Carolina, Tennessee is a rival because they're higher than you. And so the pecking order. They think that that is reciprocated, and it's not necessarily the case in in everything. I mean, I don't in anything. At, women's basketball. Yeah, I, I mean and that's about it, and and it's not really a rivalry in in that regard. I mean, I think I think South Carolina wanted to be Tennessee. Now Tennessee wants to be South, be South Carolina. Carolina, but I don't think there's necessary. I don't think there's some sort. It's not like it's not like Connecticut. I mean, if Don Staley walked in here, I'd be just fine. If Gino or Emma walked in here, I'd punch him in the face. I mean, that's just uh, – and that's kind of – look, Shane Beamer is is weird, um, but he does have a master's degree from Tennessee. <laughs> so, 
So there's that. He's also a former Tennessee staffer, and 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 all that goes so, with so, that. So let's not hear him talking about South Carolina always. Right? Jeez, please no. Uh, but you know, he actually mentioned that he has a master's degree from Tennessee this weekend in one of his press conferences. I mean, he, he makes no bones about it, and and it's pretty cool that that there is that that connection. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make it a rivalry. Tennessee losing to South Carolina and knocking them out of the college football playoff, yeah, it sucked, but it doesn't make it a rivalry. Because here's the thing. If Tennessee wore black jerseys or gray jerseys against Alabama, Georgia, Florida, I, I'd be I'd be mad, be angry. Against South Carolina. But in South Carolina, pull them out. Let's dark mode this thing up. Let's go. Let's check her kneeling with, with black and orange. Well, I don't care. And here's the thing. I did this once in the formative stages of my career when I was writing in advance on a Franklin Gallatin football game back in the mid-80s when Gallatin never lost and Franklin rarely won. And I led with the definition of rivalry. And part of it is a heated series that goes back and forth which did not describe Franklin Gallatin at that time and does not describe UT South Carolina. UT leads a series like 28 to 11. What is it recently though? Before last year, not a lot different. Let's, uh, let's just go and let's just go look. Uh, okay. So Tennessee won in 21, 20 and 19 back when they were not very good. So, I mean, they, they, won in, they, they won in 2020. No. Hmm. Now, South Carolina won the three previous, but Tennessee won in 13, 14, and 15, when, again, they were not very good. Mm-hmm. Ranked South Carolina teams, one of two of which had Alshon Jeffrey on them, maybe all three of them, beat Tennessee in 10, 11, and 12. I mean, of the 11 games that they've won, nine, nine. of them have been since 2005. So I would say, okay, since 2005, they've won nine games. That's out of what? 18. I, that may constitute a bit of a rivalry. It has been, it has gone back and forth over the last couple of years. But you also have to remember, as Tennessee fans, know that the last 15 years of our existence has been the worst 15 years in Tennessee football history and we've still beaten you more times than you've beaten us so for Tennessee fans it's like no if we lose to South Carolina it's embarrassing it's not it's not enraging we lose to Alabama it enrages us we lose to Georgia Florida we're angry we lose to South Carolina we're like are you kidding me we lost to that bunch and the some of these in here include Will Muschamp, and we all know that Will Muschamp also sold some stuff on the black market to get those wins because we could not beat that dude to save our lives. We're bought. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, I guess technically Tennessee had to vacate the win in 2020. <laughs> it's one of the, the many. Mm. <laughs> but... But yeah, so I, I'm sorry. No, South Carolina is not a rival. Just not gonna be. We're we're not enraged if we lose to the Gamecocks. We're embarrassed, and that's a problem for you. That's all I'm saying. 
That's an interesting characterization. Well, uh, and it also is sort of true I don't, for I Vanderbilt, don't, I, but I want to be – I'm embarrassed but also enraged if we lose in football to Vanderbilt. And, and I, I mean, that's just the truth. Well, that's, it's that's not me taking a shot at Vanderbilt. It's that's just the that's, fan, that's the fan in, in you. you. Yeah, that's the, the fan in me. You know, the objective observer has to realize that there was a stretch when, because Tennessee was so bad, and Vanderbilt was and, good, right? And that same stretch, it was mm -hmm. you know Vanderbilt capitalized on Tennessee's mediocrity, right? As well, they should have. I had a, I saw something the other day. Get your thoughts on this. Tennessee's defense has struggled. Tim Banks has not been great. Now, I know that the Jimmys and Joes also haven't been great. next level. Mm -hmm. But what would you think about Derek Mason as a defensive coordinator at Tennessee? I mean, if, if you were going to go get one. If you were going to go get one, you could do worse, for one thing. Clearly. We've um, seen worse. I mean. But I just, I saw that. The guy there. knows his defenses and he knows the SEC. Yeah, I mean, it just, it, 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 as defensive coordinators go, I mean, be hard-pressed to find a better one that's available in this, in this part of the country. One that you weren't trying to take from somebody else. Yeah. yeah. I know. I don't think it's, I don't think it's ridiculous. Me either. I just, I just thought, I saw it and I was like, oh, that's a, that's a. I mean, I don't even know that I would consider it out of the box. No. I mean, it's, it's, it's not something that. Yeah, no, it, it, it wouldn't be going to get somebody from Cumberland and be like, and, and not that. Or from the NFL. Or, I mean, it's yeah. a guy who it, has that'd be a consistently solid put good, if not great, defenses on the college football field. I'm just saying. If, if Tennessee were to be looking for one in the near future, he'd be on the top of my list. <laughs> anyway. I've got his number, by the way. <laughs> Give him a call. You need to you need to forward that to Josh Eiffel. Yo, coach. What about you two? Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's uh let's see here. Do we have anything else in this segment? Yes, we do. Talk to me. Twenty-seven FBS programs are undefeated <laughs> currently. Oh goodness. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go through them. One okay, by you one. Have them. I have right, them. Good. I'm going to go through them one by one. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you their next game, and you're going to tell me if they're going to be undefeated after this week and if they're going to be undefeated at the end of the year. Okay. All right. All right. Duke Blue Devils, Notre Dame at home. Are they undefeated after this week? Man, you know I got such a blind spot <laughs> regarding Notre Dame. It's not, it's not even fair that this is the first team that you it's, ask me about. It's, it's in conference order. That being said, I don't think they're going to be undefeated after Notre Dame. All right. Louisville. I would love to be wrong, though. Sure, sure. <laughs> Louisville 
is at NC State this week. Are they undefeated after this week? No. All right. Miami is at home against Georgia Tech. Hmm. This is almost as bad because you know how much I love Dante Smith. Yeah, Miami. And I'm a big Brent Key guy. Miami is still undefeated after this. Are year. they undefeated at the end of the year? Probably not. All right. Florida State. What the rest of their schedule looks like. Well, they, they got to play in the ACC championship game against this next team. So either one of these two can mm -hmm. be undefeated at the end of the year. Florida State and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's and, awful. Yes, Florida State will be undefeated at the end of the weekend. Well, they're next week. They are actually off. Oh, week, they'll be so. undefeated after their next game. Yeah. Will they be undefeated at the end of the year? I mean, and, and not – I'm saying going into the playoffs, not they're going to win it all. Are they going to be undefeated coming out of – I think we looked at their schedule earlier in the year. I think they got a pretty good chance of running the table into the CFP. Yeah. That being said, North Carolina, October 7th against Syracuse. Both of these are undefeated, by the way, so. Syracuse will not be undefeated at the end of that game. Um, they also Carolina, won't be undefeated at the end of their next game at home against Clemson. <laughs> they uh, might. I don't know. It's going to be a good yeah. one. Uh, North Carolina is better than Clemson. Yes. So. Um, I don't know how far, how long North Carolina is undefeated, but they beat Syracuse. Syracuse does have Clemson this weekend. So are they undefeated this weekend? No. Okay. No. So they lose to Clemson at home in the yeah. Odom? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they do. All right. Kansas at Texas this weekend. Didn't Kansas win the last time they went to Austin? They did. So I don't think they can go to Austin two times though. in a row and win. I, um, I, you know me. I, I hate this Texas is back thing, but I think they'll come up with enough to beat Kansas. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm with you. But so Kansas will not be undefeated after no. this weekend. Oklahoma against Iowa State at home this weekend. Yes, Oklahoma will be undefeated. Will they be undefeated at the end of the year? No. All right. Texas. We've got Kansas. You said they will be undefeated this Texas week. Texas will be undefeated. After will they Kansas be undefeated happened. going into the college football playoff? I think they are. I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. God, that kills me. And it makes me angry because I actually took them out of my college football playoff predictions and put in Florida State. I don't think Florida State is a bad pick, though. I no, think they could both I think, be there. I think they're both going to be in. I yeah. just wish I had both of them in. Yeah. yeah. Ohio State is not – they? yes, they are. I'm sorry. They beat Notre Dame. Maryland next week. Are they undefeated after Maryland? Talia Tungavaloa? At the horseshoe, though. They're tough to beat at home. Mm -hmm. uh, I think any chance that Maryland would have of upsetting Ohio State would be playing them in College Park. So, yeah, no. Is Ohio State undefeated at the end of the year? Do they play Penn State in the regular season? They do. They play both Penn State and, and Michigan. I didn't ask about Michigan. <laughs> well, they got to play in Michigan, though, because they lost at home last year, and they've lost two years in a row now. I think I think it's about time for James Franklin to win something that means something. Okay. No, I don't think Ohio State is undefeated at the end of the year. You don't think Maryland is undefeated at the end of this week? So, no. uh, Michigan at Nebraska this week. Clearly, they're going to win that. Mm -hmm. Now, are they undefeated by the end of the year? No. Okay. 
Penn State, Northwestern this weekend. They will beat Northwestern. I got to go to Northwestern now. <laughs> you don't think I that matters? Okay. Well, you're even wearing your purple today, man. It's a... That's not Northwestern. Okay, purple. okay. <laughs> end of the year, are they going to be undefeated going into the playoffs? I think they could be. All right. Liberty, their next game is October 5th against Sam Houston. They'll beat the Bearcats with a K. Will they be undefeated at the end of the year? Conference USA. Conference USA. Conference USA. I would love to tell you that my Blue Raiders are going to go up there and, and come back with some, some flame scalp. But I can't feel it. Liberty probably they get their they get their tough they get their toughest games at home. Isn't that the way it always works? It feels like it. Yeah, yeah. Liberty Liberty might run the title. Do they get into the do they do they don't get in the playoff? They get a New Year's six. Do they get the new the New Year's six bid though for the G five? What's Tulane doing? Well they they lost Ole Miss. But they didn't have the quarterback, so does that factor in? And, of I mean, course, you've got Fresno State, who also is undefeated, and they'll, they'll, we'll talk about them in just a second. Yeah, yeah, so no, probably not. Conference USA doesn't have that pull yet. Not yet. Air Force, San Diego State this week. Ooh. Where? Uh, it's at home. At Colorado Springs? Yes. Air Force with Troy Calhoun and with what they do offensively is so tough to get ready for in a week. I think they win this game. And this is this is the best offense that they've had in a long time. They scored 45 points last week. Yeah. They're scoring points with this offense. Mm-hmm. They're not just running it and trying to run out the clock and beat you, you know, 20 to 17. No. This team is scoring points. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they could be undefeated by the end of the year. I think they'll certainly be I, I think either at home. I think either Air Force or Fresno State will be undefeated coming out of the out of the Mountain West. Fresno State has Nevada this week. Feel like that they win that one. Yeah. So Colin Kaepernick ain't walking through. <laughs> there you go. USC at Colorado at 10 a.m. <laughs> in Boulder. <clears throat> if they can wake up, they win. Exactly. <laughs> but if they don't, who watch out? Now is USC. In that vaunted Pac-12, undefeated by the end of the year. You got Washington. You got Washington State with Cam Ward. You got... All right. No, so, I think somebody. Okay. I think somebody sneaks up on USC. USC. You also got Utah. USC, Oregon, Utah, Washington, Washington State. Which of those is undefeated coming out of the Pac-12, if any of them? This might be what so many SEC fans fear for so long. They may just beat up on the each cannibalization. other. cannibalization. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that any. Who has the best chance? Is it Washington or Oregon? Because I think it's one of those two. I think it's one of those two. Um, and I think it's Washington. But gosh, I would you, love it to be you, you don't think it's Bo Nix? I would love for it to be, but Michael Penix has just been otherworldly. Yeah. Other world. So, Georgia, do they beat Auburn this weekend? That's in Athens, right? It is. No, it's in Auburn. It's Jordan Hare at night. (laughs) Bad as they've struggled. 
The juju and but Jared as Hare. bad as Georgia has struggled, I still think they're better than Auburn. Oh, they're definitely better than Auburn, but that's never that's not always been <laughs> been a factor. <laughs> I think Georgia beats Auburn at Auburn. Are they undefeated by the end of the year? Do they go well, to the college football playoff undefeated? You know, it, it's interesting because if you remember back at SEC football media days there were any number of people willing to tell you that Tennessee was going to beat Georgia in Knoxville this year. I still think they could. As poorly as Georgia has played, you're in Knoxville. And who Maybe knows? being in Knoxville makes a I think, I think it does. So I'm not I'm – not, I, I certainly am less confident in that game than I was before the season started. Mm-hmm. But the way Georgia has played has not has – Boost your confidence. Yeah, it, it's not made it go away. So, there's that. I I don't think Georgia's undefeated by the end of the year. I think somebody gets them, whether it's Missouri, South Carolina, some somebody they're not supposed to lose. So we say already lost. They already beat South Carolina. But like, if it's a team, yeah, it could be Florida, Jacksonville. I I think somebody they're not that that they shouldn't lose to probably gets them. them at some point. Kentucky has Florida at home. I don't think either of those teams is very good. I would agree. But I don't think Kentucky can beat Florida twice. All right. Missouri is in Nashville against Vanderbilt. I would love to say Vanderbilt's going to win that ball game, but they've not shown me anything that really makes me think it. But I don't think Missouri finishes the year under two. Okay. Georgia State is at home against Troy after their win at Coastal Carolina last week. Troy won this weekend too, though, didn't they? They did. Troy's legit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Troy gets them. All right. James Madison has South Alabama, but it's at home. It's Ted Harrisonburg. Yep. I think that makes a difference. All right. Marshall is the final one. They've got Old Dominion this weekend at home. Mm. Old Dominion's tradition. Has been pretty good, sneaky good, and that's developed into a little bit of a rivalry, I think. I, I don't think Marshall beats ODU. All right, there you go. That's interesting. 27. 27. Let's and revisit we have, this and, we and have, see how many more there are now or how many we think fewer. We think Florida State, we think Penn State, mm-hmm. we think either Air Force or Fresno State. Either Oregon or Washington, and then that's it. Yeah, that finished the year undefeated. And Tex- Texas. And Texas. And Texas. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Should be interesting. Let's take a break. When we come back, another interesting discussion that we came up upon on Twitter. Head coaches who have won national championships. Who are the five worst We'll get into it right after this on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net.
Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. She's on Thinking Out Loud, presented by Regions, and out of pocket with Alyssa Lang. It is, in fact, Alyssa, Alyssa Lang. Lang. I'm a little nervous. I'm going to lower the bar for guests now. Oh, no. I'm like, apologies in advance. It sounds like CC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Got that radio voice. I know. It's a good sound. As do we. And then here's the other thing. You guys, you're spot on with the name. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. So And we reach every Main Street in Middle Tennessee, Coach. Yeah, that's it. So Perfect. when you are on Main Street and you are moving got to love it. Like you're moving. I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone Welcome back in to today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yalmo Patton here, and we are talking about an article from Mike Farrell Sports. Mike Farrell. Farrell? Farrell, Farrell, mm-hmm. whatever. Farrell, Farrell, Farrell. Farrell, Farrell. And he put out a list of the top five worst coaches to win a college football national championship. 
And I think that he's pretty well nailed it to this point. Um, we'll give you his five. His five are number five, less miles. Went to two national championships and won one as a two-loss team. The second one he went to couldn't get past the 50. Larry Coker, head coach of what is quite possibly the greatest college football team in the history of time. Gene Chizik, who rode Cam Newton and nobody else to a national title, not a single player on that offense outside of Cam Newton took an NFL snap. Wow. Not one. Wow. That's remarkable. That is. Uh, that is. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, Jimbo Fisher. I mean. Tough to argue. It, it, at this point, pretty tough to argue. And number one, Ed Orgeron. Now, I'm going to say this about Ed Orgeron. Mm -hmm. I don't think Ed Orgeron is a very bad coach. I don't either. I think Ed Orgeron is not even close to number one on this list. Mm -hmm. I, I think I, he's probably on a top ten list as far as He might goes, be but, on a top ten list, but I don't think he's on top five list. But this dude... This dude has been uh, – now, again, we're talking head coach only, but when he was at USC, after Steve Sarkeesian they should have kept left, they absolutely should have kept him. They should have kept him. They really should have. Because dude was uh, – he, he, I mean, if they'd have kept him, then they don't have to go through the, the whole Clay Hilton the whole situation. Mess. And, yeah, and they should have kept him. Ed Orgeron had USC playing right. After after that whole debacle went I down. I don't think he – I think Ed Orgeron's persona, I think the optics, I think the way he talks, and he, I think people underestimate Ed Orgeron. And it makes him makes him an easy target. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't and, think and Ed Orgeron – I think he catches a lot of flack that he – doesn't deserve. Now, his post-LSU shenanigans hey. don't help, but, you know. But then it got to do with how, how well he coaches. Nope. And nothing to do with it. So, so leave, leave the man be. I, I think as, as far as football coaching goes, I think he's a, he's, a, he's a fine football coach. I don't think he belongs on this top five list. No. Now. Jimbo Fisher, we said, hard to argue. Gene Chizik, 5-19 and 19 at Iowa State. You know how as, I remember as, that? Because Charles Barkley told you. No, because I remember the video of them, him getting off the plane, and there was one guy at the airport going, 5-19, and 5-19. And he was angry about it. Yeah. Speaking of Charles Barkley, did you, you did, did you see what he said on the next round this morning? I did not. Oh, man. He said, and I quote, Long as y'all baptizing folks down there might want to pray for a quarterback. And I nearly fell out of my chair. <laughs> Charles going to say some stuff, but that one was wild. <laughs> not necessarily wrong, but wild. <laughs> so so Charles is not, not enamored with Peyton Thorne? No, no, not too happy. Not excited about it, I guess. So anyway, there's that, but... Mm. I digress. Gene Chizik probably deserves to be on this list. 
Great defensive coordinator. Might deserve to be number one. Yeah, I, I think he probably does. I mean, if not for Cam Newton, he probably doesn't have a winning season at all. Uh, Larry Coker, that's hard to say. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't necessarily understand the Larry Coker hate. I mean, yeah, he took over a loaded ball club, but you know, still- sometimes. Sometimes the best coaching is no coaching. I mean, when you've got that much talent at your disposal, just get them to the game and get out the way. He went 12 and 0, 12 and 1, 11 and 2, 9 and 3, 9 and 3, 7 and 6. It's trending in the wrong direction, though, once he was starting to play with his guys. Yeah. I will agree with that. Four and six at UTSA in his first year. Eight and four, seven and five, four and eight, three and nine. So. But, I mean, that first three years, what'd you say, 12 and 0, 12 and 1? Yeah, he, was si- he was 60 and 15 at, at, at Miami. Miami. It was nine and three and nine and three two years in a row. And you got to remember, that's when they went to the ACC when they were in a much more difficult conference. I mean, they lost to North Carolina. I guess Clemson. by Miami standards. Yeah, I mean, you, you certainly don't expect to lose to North Carolina as the number four team in the country. They, they lost uh, to Clemson as well at home in overtime. Of course, that was the first year of Clemson kind of – that was the Taj Boyd-Clemson era. So kind of hindsight's 50-50 there. And then they lost to number 10, Virginia Tech, 16-10 to 10 at that home. That was Frank Beamer though, right? That's Frank Beamer, and it was they were number 10 Virginia Tech, number 9 Miami. It was supposed to be a great game. They beat Florida State. They beat Florida. I mean, pretty good year for them, but not, you know, coming off of 12-0, 12-1, 12-0. Right. And then the next year they lose to Florida State. They uh, lose in the Peach Bowl to LSU, but they beat Clemson. They, they don't play Florida that year. So it lost to Georgia Tech as well, 14 to 10. Again, at home. So, and then seven, the seven and six year was pretty tough. I mean, that's Florida State, Louisville, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and Maryland, all ranked losses. But they did win the MPC Computers Bowl against Nevada. So there's that. Anyway. I don't know. I just don't think Larry Coker is ish on that list. I don't. I don't know that he, he. I don't think he deserves to be behind Les Miles. I think Les Miles won because Les Miles was at LSU, mm-hmm. and I think that me and you could win at LSU. I really do. I'd love the chance. <laughs> <laughs> just, just give me one year. Just give me one year. We'll at, what, at whatever, whatever at y'all whatever are, whatever Brian average, Kelly is making. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever y'all are paying Brian Kelly just one time. And, and show me what door you want me to go out. <laughs> and then let me. I, I think we could be. I, I I think you could win eight games at LSU just being at LSU. I really do. I think that I, I think Les Miles won because he was there. So. That's the that's his five. Is there anybody else you would put on that list? I'm gonna make some people mad. I mean, from the college football, from the F, you know, from the BCS slash CFP era, I don't know that there's anybody that I would put on there. I you are gonna make some people mad. What else is new? What's you, what? I, what? Danny Ford. 
Mm. Well, I mean, if you're going back that far. Well, I'm saying ever. I mean, his, mm -hmm. I think he could be on the list. Um, well, I mean, Lou Holtz. I don't know, man. Lou Holtz had he had some pretty good teams, even at South Carolina. I mean, he made South Carolina a a semi desirable job for Steve Spurrier. His Notre Dame teams, though. I mean, they were loaded, but he loaded them. But I, I kind of feel like that might kind of be, at that time, a lot similar to your LSU sentiment. I mean. Yeah. I'll agree with back, that. Back in. If you were Catholic, the, you played at Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Kind of like if you're Nazarene, you go to Trebeca. Like, you know what I mean? Right, right. So, conversely, who are the best? who are the best coaches to never win? A championship. Oh goodness. Bill Snyder. He's on the list. Frank Beamer. You know, sentimentally, you feel like Frank Beamer is on the list. I mean, I think he should have. He very well could have won a national championship with Michael Vick, and I, I think as long as as long as he coached from what eighty-seven to fifteen, that's you got to be a really good coach to stay somewhere that long. I don't care if it is Virginia Tech. Especially at the turn of the century when everybody was going, you know, I mean, he coached 15 more years after not winning a national title. You know, a guy that catches a lot of flack again, but was in the same division for so many years with, um, with Tennessee and with Florida, Mark Rick. Mark Rick. I think he's a great coach. I, I mean, I didn't realize Bo Schimbleckler had never won a championship, but I think that would put him on the list. And how about this one? Gary Patterson. You know, I never felt like TCU was a national championship caliber program when Patterson was there, but I think he certainly elevated them. I think if he were at a place like LSU or even a place like Texas, Texas, they he can, would win, have he can win a national championship. Yeah. That I think is the key is mm -hmm. he made Texas Christian worth watching. Yeah. He oh, brought them from the whack with LaDainian Tomlinson into the big 12 and made them respectable and made them, yeah. and in a power five conference. Absolutely. So if you get if you had given him a different team, I think he'd probably take somebody even like an Oklahoma State potentially to a playoff occasional. Mm -hmm. Anyway, let's go to Wild and Wacky, the weirdest and wildest news from across the world. As well, some news a couple of weeks ago was unfortunate, but things have changed. And we're back to the original because some some names, Mo, are just the worst. And I'm talking about the Frank Mobile. The Oscar Mayer Frank Mobile held that name for less than two months. We are back to the Wiener Mobile. As God intended. I don't know, you know, it's kinda like the new coke or whatever it was. 
I, I just don't know why there was a Frank Mobile to start. Okay, with. here's one. Exactly like New Coke. They changed the name so people would remember that the Wienermobile existed and then changed the name back to the Wienermobile so people would be like, I got to go see the Wienermobile. That's exactly what it is. Because when Coke, New Coke came out and then Coke Classic came back, Coke sales went. Same thing. Genius marketing, well done to Oscar <laughs> Mayer, O-S-C-A-M-A-Y-E-R. Mo, the Aleutia County Sheriff's Office down in Florida, we've got uh, we've got a sedan on I-75 near Gainesville, North Florida, just before 4 a.m. on Thursday. Cars reported stolen, and unfortunately, two children are reported missing in this situation. Turns out it was the 10-year-old Florida boy and 11-year-old sister who were running away to California, drove 200 miles in their mother's what? car before sheriff's deputies stopped. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Dang. Who was driving? <laughs> yes. The children drove. He drove 200 miles? Without wrecking. You got to give him props for this. This is why it's wild and wacky because the fact that he was able to keep it on the road for 200 miles give him. So the children told deputies that their mother had taken away their electronic devices for misbehaving and he was going to California. Mm. Well, people all live so fine. Oh, <laughs> That's unreal. The mother declined to press charge, surprisingly, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I'm familiar with a situation where kids stole their parents' car to run away from home, wrecked the car. Yeah. And they had to press charges because, for the insurance to cover it. Yep. That's, that's a tough situation. But, hey, they pulled over. They were like, oh, man, we got pulled over by the police. Police drew their what guns. Was he, what was he going to show them? <laughs> police dropped guns, ordering them to get out of the car, and they were the only two that got out of there. That's wild and wacky. There you go. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's show. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Main Street Sports. So we're back tomorrow at 2 o'clock with Preps Thursday. Coach's Corner. We've got Isaac, Isaac Shelby. Shelby. We've got Isaac Shelby. So come back with us. We'll pick some football games as well tomorrow on Main Street Sports Today.